It's time for The Drive's Top 5 at 5. Quitting time on your Wednesday, 5 o'clock here on Fan Run Radio. Russell Smith back with you on The Drive alongside Bear and Houston Crash. With you for another hour as we are two hours away from tip-off. A monumental clash tonight between Rick Barnes and Bruce Pearl at Thompson Bowling Assembly Center and Arena, our number one story. Vols, War Eagle, Tiger Plainsman, 7 p.m. tip at the arena tonight. Both teams 21-6. and six. Tom Hart on the play-by-play. Jimmy Dex on the color as Tennessee looks to... I would say take control, but with this schedule, I mean, I, I don't know if the job's going to be done until it's done. Vols are 2-7 and seven in their last nine games against Auburn after going 11-1 and one against Auburn the prior 12 matchups. 2-7 and seven in our last nine? Yep. Yo. Uh, I don't know if this should make you feel better or worse. Tennessee opened as a five-and-a-half-point favorite tonight. That has swelled this afternoon to now the Vols as a seven-point it makes Favorite. me feel better. I, I, I feel know. good about this. Mississippi State swelled last night and they lost. I feel good about this. I don't think we're going to blow them out. I felt good about Texas A&M all day, and I, I thought we were going to blow them out. I feel like Tennessee is going to show up. I think we're going to play well, and I, I think we win tonight. I agree. Now, I don't know about this weekend at Alabama. I think that's going to be tough. I'm Pretty big ask. I'm worried about that Kentucky game. And nobody, again, nobody's talking about South Carolina. That ain't going to be easy down no. there. No, it is most certainly not. And they obviously, and uh, you know, can't say that I blame them. If the shoe was on the other fi- foot, uh, I would, we would be focused on it. They hadn't forgotten about how they got beat down last year. We ran it up on them twice. Well, they will have their chance for vent- revenge. Number two, speaking of. South Carolina. The Gamecocks, among a number of SEC teams in action tonight, they are at Texas A&M, where the 18th-ranked Gamecocks are a five-and-a-half-point underdog against a Texas A&M team that has lost four in a row. That is a that's a weird one. No respect for South Carolina from Tennessee fans, from the national media, from betters, from anybody. And I think that Lamont Paris guy kind of likes that. I mean, he he oh, likes he, playing he loves it. the underdog. I'm trying to see what their seed line – they're a sixth seed now projected as South Carolina. I'm tempted to throw some money at the Gamecocks tonight on that one. I, I don't know – they have an injury or something and do a little research on that one, but that is a curious line for sure. Uh, 24th-ranked Florida at home against winless in the league Mizzou. That one tips off at 6.30 on the SEC Network. And then you've got a game with – Big SEC title implications. 14th-ranked Alabama is at Ole Miss. 9 Come on, Rebs. Come on, Colonel Reb. We'll be watching that one while we host Voluntary Reaction tonight on X Spaces. Be sure to tune in for that. Number three, Tennessee football homecoming game has been announced. Homecoming date, it will be November the 9th against Mississippi State. Come on up here, Bulldogs, and take your medicine. How do you feel about uh, Jeff Lebby inheriting a Mississippi State program that won all of five games? 
It's going to take him a couple of – I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how long it does take him to get guys in that can run his system. Did they find a quarterback? Uh, I can't remember if they I did. I don't know. Because Will Rogers left out of there. Yeah, he did. Where's he at? Washington? No, he's, uh, yeah, he stayed at Washington. I don't think he was invited along with DeBoer to Alabama. Oh, uh, I was wondering why we didn't just give it to UTEP on the 23rd, but that would be Thanksgiving weekend probably. And ah. They didn't want to do the family travels along with the alumni travels. So Mississippi State gets the uh, gets the nod. I don't love giving it to SEC teams, not named, say, Vanderbilt, but do what you got to do, I guess. Number four, some – Movement for Tennessee baseball this weekend as they announce new start times for their games on Friday and Saturday against Bowling Green. This due to expected inclement weather and cold temperatures. Vols will now play the Falcons at 4.30 on Friday and 5 p.m. on Saturday. What were they previously scheduled? I believe they were evening starts. I believe okay. six, seven, something like that. It's cold outside right now. Oh, it is plummeted. It was a balmy, like 60, 65 degrees when I got here, and it's early, about 40, 40 out there now, yeah. man? Early, 45. Early season baseball games in practice, Oh, that it, it always sucked. One of the worst – I was fortunate never to have any, like, broken bones, sports injuries. <laughs> One of the worst, like, just pains. I, I remember clear – like, seventh or eighth grade – Baseball out there in the cold, first practiced, first at bat, probably hadn't hit a ball since the previous summer. Big connection. Mm. Just all through your arms. I can't feel my hands. I don't know. It it hurt worse when you get beamed when it was cold. (laughs) That too. (laughs) It's never drilled right in the middle of your back. Finally, number five, the two-time defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, the second lowest-graded team in the NFL ahead of only the uh, Washington Commanders, Bears boys, in the second annual report card that ranks teams according to various categories based on the results of player surveys. So more than 1,700 players participated in the survey. Players are asked to grade their teams on a wide variety of subjects ranging from team facilities to coaching staffs to owners have thought the Chiefs would rank highly. Yeah, this is surprising. I'm wondering if they have the category breakdown. I'd love to see where they it's, are uh, missing I'll, I'll the mark. I looked at it. Uh, my Titans did not do as well as I thought they would. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Titans don't have great facilities. But there was other stuff in, like, food and, like, No, that's a big am- one. Amenities. Yeah. Um, who do you think the, the top two were? Oh, I didn't see the top. I just saw the Titans. I would guess I'm going to go with Miami. Hey, well done. That's a good one. And let me get the other one. Houston. Oh, you were talking to him or you said the Texans? Texans. No, Houston, like they've got a crazy person for an owner, right? Cal McNair. Uh, Minnesota Vikings. That really? makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's that guy's name? Ziggy uh Ziggy Wilf? Does he Wilf? I thought he or did he I thought he passed or? them off. I don't or know. I'm be wrong. We can ask CG. He used to live up there. That's not bad. 
Chiefs ranking stands out after the Super Bowls. Clark Hunt ranked last out of 32 team owners. Those grades were based on what players perceived as a willingness to invest in the team's facilities. The Chiefs ranked 26th in the food-slash-cafeteria category, 31st in the nutrition-slash-dietitian category, 31st in the training room, and 32nd in the training staff. Very interesting. Sounds like a bunch of guys walking around pissed off all the time or good Maybe that's why Kelsey's talking about retiring. <laughs> I, I would th- if if I were you know Andy Reid's got a lot of power now and and Mahomes obviously they, they should lobby to get that stuff fixed. Do you think ownership when they see something like this? Do you think they're like, eh. like I, I, we we're back to back champs? Why would I? Yeah. Why would I change anything now? Oh, that's a good point. Um, they said there were a number of teams that ranked near the bottom last year who took the grades to heart and made improvements. The Arizona Cardinals, for example, stopped charging players for meals. Yeah, that's probably good changed the floors and equipment in the weight room and added a small family gathering room for game days. Cincinnati Bengals, I've heard their stuff, their facilities are terrible. I've heard that too. Uh, Were criticized following last year's survey for not providing players three meals a day, made a very slight change to that policy, now offer three meals at the facility on Wednesdays. I figured that they would have been... Three meals a week now. (laughs) Nice. Uh, uh, You would think that they would want control... Over, you know, like it, it, UT. That's nutrition, it, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. very uh, – their diets are very carefully monitored and controlled. I guess it's different in the pros. And I maybe. guess that is a large expense for the team to take on. Have you ever met any of, the, like, the linemen, uh, that, like guys that had a hard time keeping weight on? Have you ever met anybody that – I've known, like, a couple of guys. One guy played at UT and one at Colorado. This guy knew Mick. He said they would come to his dorm room, like, in the middle of the night with a box of food that he had to, like, wake up, eat these donuts, and eat. Well, you remember uh, Emmanuel Mosley, when he got here, he famously weighed, I want to say, like 140 pounds Mm -hmm. or something. Yep. But he was blazing fast, and so they put him on one of those high-calorie diets, and he said he would wake up at least once a night and eat peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine? Yeah, no, I I couldn't. It's, 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 It's absolutely disgusting. The stuff my buddy Mick, uh, that when he was out at, he was a defensive tackle. I mean, he said it'd be like four or five sandwiches. Oh yeah, like a those huge guys chunk of cake. It was like just straight. I could have done that in my twenties, no problem. Like if I'm if I was trying <laughs> to put on the weight. Now, I, like one of those meals would kill me. Would kill me. Like to kill me. All right, that is the top five at five. It's brought to you by friends over at Knoxville Smiles. It's go. It's where I go for all my dental work. We appreciate them. If you're ready to flash that dazzling smile, look no further than Knoxville Smiles. Their experience team is here to give you the care and attention you deserve from routine checkups and cleanings to advanced cosmetic treatments. They've got you covered at Knoxville Smiles. Say goodbye to dental worries and hello to a confident, radiant smile. Don't wait any longer. Schedule your appointment today and unlock the power of your smile. Give them a call at 865-539-1776 to set up your appointment or just go online to KnoxvilleSmiles.com. Talking a lot of Tennessee basketball. Obviously, this is a big one tonight at the arena. Bruce Pearl is in town. Stephen Pearl is with him. A sense of disturbance in the force. And it will be Armageddon 
chaos tonight inside Thompson Bowling Arena. How bad do you think Tucker's missing out right now? Oh, you know he's he's major. His case of FOMO is a lot worse than his case of COVID. What if he goes to the game? He could get that bubble suit that John Travolta wore. He's. <laughs> what if he ditched on us, but he's going to go to the game? The radio guy in the bubble down there. Uh, nah, he wouldn't do people that. People are looking down How would there. he eat what? his tacos? That's, that's no good. I kind of going to miss out. He dishes. Uh, like, like he'll dish to me. I'm like, uh, he, you know. Who's that guy in the space suit down on press row? Tucker Harlan, Finn Run Radio. He's going to miss out on the Batman conversation. There's all kinds of. Sounds like it's a rollicking time down there on on press row with some of the young guys. Oh. It's a brain trust, I'm sure. Yeah, Butler and Butler and Chomp Tucker down there. Noah Taylor, Chomp. The next generation. All right, Bear, who's next on the old phone lines? Uh, we are currently what? left collarless. We had a full bank at the end of the hour. Yeah. Did I run everybody off with my top five at five? We need Tucker back badly. He does do a better. It's the first time uh, he's done better. He's the best since Rick with top four and top five. Actually, this works because we want to play this Rick Barnes audio, and then we've got CG coming on. So let's hear from the head coach of the Volunteers ahead of this one. First of all, the schedule coming up. The these last four games, and I mean, you look at what Auburn has versus what we have, and it's just total, totally different. Tennessee with a veritable murderer's row to close out the regular season here. Here's Rick Barnes on the end-of-year schedule for the Vols. Yeah, I think this time of year, I think everybody realizes that, you know, the year's, the regular season's coming to an end. And and you look at, uh, I think, the way conferences set up schedules, you know, they're really looking to get the teams in terms of a preseason projection playing this time of year to try to help them stay where they, they're where they're supposed to be, stay there, but also maybe enhance where they can move forward. And uh, so you look down at our uh, schedule right now, and, and certainly you've got to give a lot of credit to South Carolina. I think they were picked last in the league, and Lamont has done just a terrific job in putting his team right there in contention with everybody. And But uh, this time of year, if you're not excited, uh, there's something wrong. I remember through the years, being in a position where we, the schedule we had, you knew you, you knew you had to win if you wanted to get in the postseason tournament. And uh, but in terms of being where we are with this, I think one it's a great thing to embrace and understand it. It can really help you moving forward if you have the right mindset with it, uh, because you've got great respect for your opponents coming in and and the ones you got to go play. And uh, so there's any there's really no other way to look at it other than this is what we have and we've got to. Be ready, knowing that uh, everybody we're playing is just as good or as we are, and could be better if we're not ready to play. And uh, but uh, it'll go. It's 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 here. It'll go by quicker than we all can imagine. Old man Barnes sounds tired. I like it. it. Means he's been up all night watching film, dialed in, focused. They're grounded. They are absolutely. I hope they're not grinding, grinding too hard. This is when you should be. Settled in, ready to roll. Don't overwork the kids. Just cut them loose. That's just pretty hot, pretty high stress scenario right now. I, it, 
Yeah, four tough games trying to trying to lock up a number one seed in the tournament. Well, this this audio is from yesterday, so hopefully he's charged. Yeah, got yeah. Long oh, now he'll, he'll be ready. Uh, slip slept in this morning. Maybe a little brunch at Pete's. Ready to go. All right, here's Barnes on Auburn. The matchup with the Tigers and Bruce Pearl. I think every time you play Auburn, I mean, Bruce is such a terrific coach and does a great job, and his schemes are good, and, and uh, teams play hard, aggressive, and uh, they uh, last year here, that was not a really pretty game for each, either one of us. You know, I think it was in the 40s. Uh, and uh, But you just, again, the respect that we have for him and his program, uh, our guys, uh, the older guys especially who've been there, they know, they know what to expect. Janelle Brooms, I mean, he's, again, I don't know if he's getting the recognition he deserves. I think he's one of the, truly one of the top post players in the country and a guy that uh, can go inside, outside, and just does a lot of different things for them. And uh, uh, you look at the years, I mean, last year I thought he was a, a handful for us, and we expect that now. Broom versus Adu, going to be a key matchup to watch the first four minutes tonight, I think. You think that's where we start him? They do on Broom. Uh, who else are you going to put yeah. him? Like, you, no, you look, he, like he's mentioned uh, putting Josiah. Yeah, I, I think it kind of depends on what down. Auburn tries to do. Well, I, I understand that. Like, I, I think that Josiah would probably do better against. I mean, you could you could go a no big lineup tonight, but I'm just looking at Auburn's mm-hmm. projected starting lineup, and if you don't put Adu on Broom, you're going to put him on a, a six foot seven guy. They basically play. You know, those pearl guys, those long, yep, bouncy yep, wings, yep. They, they have a bunch of those guys. So I, I, I think the only logical matchup is to, to have him on Broom. I, I think you can throw a bunch of guys out there. I think you I think you can put Joe Zion on some. I think Tobey gets a shot. I, you know, you might, uh, as a caller earlier mentioned, uh, Estrella. You, know, you throw him in there, hey, man, go out there and hack this dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hammer him. Um, so, I mean, I think there's – you got some options. How how is Broom at driving? Like if he catches the ball on the wing, is he a pretty good put it on the floor and go get it guy? I think so. Uh, pretty athletic. I, I wonder. I wonder if they'd try to do that and attack Adu. I'd hate for him to pick up some ticky tack fouls. Mm. Uh, note to Tucker: If the uh, ref list has come in, we'd love to know that. By the way, Christopher Gabriel K M J Fresno, our guest. When we continue next, right here on Fan Run Radio. The drive. You can never leave because nobody is actually from there. Everybody goes there. They can never leave. It's a good point. You know, I think that they are the leader in the clubhouse when it comes to cult. And then what in the world was was Pojo discussing? Was he talking about Clemson's seven national championships (laughs) in college basketball? They're right between North Carolina and Kentucky, aren't they? I may may have missed something there. And then I heard your Rick Barnes audio. First of all, I love Rick. You know that. But I always love, I always love when coaches do the well. You know, he's doing a great job. That Bruce is doing a great job down there. One of the great coaches. That, listen, you could have Phil Bixham coming in with some, you know, Colorado school of minds, and he could be two and twenty-seven. And Coach Barnes will say, "Well, you know what? He's doing a great job out there. He's uh, he's two and twenty-seven, but it's not really indicative of the kind of season that they're having. <laughs> Kids play hard. Uh, they're working very hard out there, and we expect a battle tonight." Yeah, when don't you want one of these guys just wants to say if we don't if we don't beat these guys by less than by more than thirty we did something wrong and I'm going to run their asses till six a.m. Barnes's highest praise this year, without a doubt, has been for Jerry Stackhouse. 
Yep. Twice. Yep. Twice yeah. he has gone out of his way to talk before and after the games about how much respect he has for Jerry Stackhouse, which to me, CG, it's reminiscent of uh, – I learned this lesson at a very young age when um, Wade Houston lost by 61 points to Rick Patino's <laughs> Kentucky team. We, we lost 101-40 yeah. to 40 in the SEC tournament I, I up remember. there at Rupp. And, uh, and I was redneck mad about it, ready to fire Wade Houston on the spot. I tune in. Uh, to the local news, and there's Rick Patino at his post-game press conference saying, you know what, that Wade Houston has done a phenomenal job up there at Tennessee, and I understand they're thinking about moving on from him. That would be a grave mistake. They need to keep him. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure Saban said that about Dooley and exactly. Bo- you know, like, oh, they're doing he such a great job. Guys. Such a great job. You can take that back a little further. You can go to our all, our all, my all-time favorite, Lou Holt. When SMU was coming off the death penalty, and Lou Holtz, his presser, his Tuesday presser, saying, "I don't know, I'm a little concerned about these guys. They uh, they're hungry. Uh, they have had a year to think about it, and uh, we're, we're concerned about uh, about the Mustangs. Is, it, is their name the Mustangs? That's right. We're concerned about the Mustangs coming in. You just you got you got to love Lou Holtz. And then finally, listen, fellas, I don't mean to bring up something that may have been dangerous. It may have been something that's very concerning. Maybe the Knoxville, the fine men." And women of the Nashville Police Department are on this, but the picture of, of uh, Russ and Houston in the new studio, I noticed that, you know, I, I zoomed in a little bit, and I noticed that you're both, you're not looking at the camera, you're, lo- you're both looking slightly off to your left, and I'm wondering, was this a, a takeover by the interns? What, what, you know, was somebody, you know, getting ready to hose you down or worse? Please, can you tell us what was going on there? Because something was clearly wrong as that picture was being taken. CG, there were multiple cameras. We didn't know which one to look at, really? and no one gave us a one, two, three. I just assumed it was Miller. It was very confusing. <laughs> yeah, so in other words, maybe it was – now, see, Miller, that that was my thought, too, because was he thinking, I want to show in the morning and I want to show in the afternoon, and if I don't get my way, I'm coming after everybody. I had no idea I looked so concerned. Every time you put a picture of yourself out there on Twitter – they get the knuckleheads who will zoom in on your face and say, hey, look, why do you look weird? Why do you look weird? Right? I don't know. I'm a weird-looking guy. I'm on radio. When we got in radio, CG, nobody said, hey, 20 years from now, everything's going to be on video, too. Well, that's, that's a fair point. And listen, I noticed that if you roll the tape, I never said weird because I think we could all agree you're a very dapper young man. Oh. I, it, it was more concerned. Because it, you didn't look weird. <laughs> I, it was concern on your face. And uh, there was a point, and maybe uh, Houston, uh, with apologies to you, my friend, it almost looked there was some fear. I, I just I sensed fear in your eyes. And I'm, not, I'm just, wow. I just wanted to get this out in the open because I felt like a lot of folks on, on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it, were talking about it. But I wanted to get you guys on the record so we could at least clear this up and move forward. I'm not scared. All right, good. I didn't think so. <laughs> I have no fear. Not of, uh, not of radio anyway, but uh, no. tonight, tonight, I don't know, Bruce Pearl is in town, CG. I actually feel pretty good about this. I felt very good about Texas A&M. I thought Tennessee was going to blow them out at home Saturday night. They did. I feel pretty good about tonight. I think Tennessee is going to beat Auburn. I don't think Tennessee is going to blow Auburn out. Your thoughts on the Vols and Tigers tonight? Yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, looking at these last four games, that we, you know, we have Auburn, we have Kentucky at home, and then going to Alabama, going to South Carolina, and I'm going to use the, 
the word easiest very, very loosely. But if there is a maybe an easier game or a game that I think I would say the Vols should win, it's tonight. I know that the team, the you know, the program has had difficulty with uh, with Auburn of late. You gave the stat a little bit earlier. I was unaware of just how futile the Vols have been against Auburn. But I, I really do like where this team is at right now. And maybe it's a little recency bias, you know, after what they did in the last game. But I, I do think that uh, it's probably going to be close. But I, I expect that the Vols will pull away. I like the matchups in this game. This is not – Auburn's having a good year. You know, a good year. But it's not one of Bruce Pearl's best teams, I don't think, uh, at least from the times that I've seen them. But, you know, they play like Bruce Pearl's teams play, right? I mean, we all saw them uh, front and center when they were in Thompson Bowling. But I, I think that uh, if everybody plays the way they should play, uh, and plus you add in the Dalton Connect factor, you add in Jordan Ganey, the fact that Ganey's game has really picked up. Uh, I, I, like, I like the Vols tonight, fellas. I, I really do. And, I, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, by the time this thing was over, uh, the Vols win this thing by somewhere between 8 and 12 points. Bruce Pearl returns to town. This is a yearly conversation for us every time this game pops up, whether it's once or twice or even three times over the course of a season. And we still have so many fans here who just have such a soft spot in their heart for Bruce Pearl. And some still we've taken phone calls today from people who who clearly – enjoy Bruce more than Rick Barnes. The the numbers are catching up. Obviously, Bruce went one step further in the NCAA tournament than Barnes has gone thus far. CG, where do you stand on the Pearl versus Barnes debate? Who is the better coach? Well, you know, there are inherent landmines in this discussion. And maybe it's because I'm a little older. I feel like the discussion shouldn't be limited just to Bruce Pearl uh, and Rick Barnes, I think you need to bring Ray, Ray Mears into it, the guy that recruited me. I mean, you know, I, uh, knowing that we were going to talk a little bit about this today, you know, Ray Mears, for a lot of the youngins, Ray Mears was 278 and 112. Uh, and I think when you look at the three coaches, and I mean, I, I, I don't know that I can give you a Bruce Pearl versus Rick Barnes, who's better, but I, I think when I look at the three, each of them has, has something in common. There's a, there's a commonality here, and that is at a time when Tennessee – was coming off John Stein uh, and just some dreadful years. Ray Mears effectively put this program with the help uh, in the you know in his latter years of uh, Bernard King and Ernie Grunfeld. He put Tennessee basketball on the map. He put Tennessee basketball with the help of Bernie and Ernie on the cover of Sports Illustrated. This team, you know, Adolph Rupp hated coming to Stokely. You know, he famously said once the worst thing about, and I'm paraphrasing. The worst thing about going on the road in the SEC is going to that hellhole in Knoxville. He hated coming there, and we love that. We hated that he, 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 he had to come there, and that was Rick Mears. So you had Rick Mears uh, – I'm sorry, Ray Mears, pardon me uh, – really a benchmark coach for 15 years. Then, you know, you had this sort of mishmash of, you know, some really good years with Don DeVoe, Wade Houston, sub-500, Kevin O'Neill, sub-500, good years with Jerry Green, Buzz Peterson – Say what you will about him. And then Bruce Pearl comes along, and he brings a style of basketball that, I don't know, since the explosive latter years of Ray Mears, I don't think that we saw that kind of explosive mentality in Tennessee basketball until Bruce Pearl got there. Uh, you know, one of the things that I loved that he did was when the team would enter 
as, you know, behind the, you know, behind the basket, they'd come walking through the crowd and through the student section. I thought that was fantastic. I love that. But you had Bruce Pearl, you know, with a 704 winning percentage, and then you had Conzo Martin, and you know, the Conzo. I feel like Conzo Martin, he should have an asterisk by his name with Pat Forty, because it seemed like any time that Conzo would do anything, Pat Forty had to say something. Uh, Donnie Tittle, and then Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes is another benchmark because Rick Barnes uh, has come here. And a lot of fans will say, yeah, we know what's going to happen. It's March, and he's not going to do a darn thing. I, I, I think that it, it bothers me that Rick Barnes gets slighted that way. The man is 196 and 98. He's done exceptionally well. Um, you know, he's gone to postseason tournaments. He's gotten to the, to the, you know, the round of Sweet, the sweet 16. Uh, he's gotten, uh, you know, gotten, and he has, the team has not gotten as far as any of us would want, but he develops players, and he has shown this year something that I think a lot of coaches at this point in their journey as a coach have not shown. He has shown that he is willing to evolve. I have not seen a Rick Barnes team since he was at Texas with Kevin Durant. I have not seen a Rick Barnes team push transition, sweep the boards, and even if, the, if, even if we don't have the numbers, at least if it's three-on-three, three, we have guys – hustling that ball up court, and trying to create numbers uh, in our favor. I love that. And that's something that a lot of fans that have been very derogatory towards Rick have said he couldn't do. Rick's not, you, you, you know, you, you can't change him. He's not going to change. Well, he has changed. He's adapted. Has that been because of the Dalton Connect effect? Is it because he came there with Jordan Gady? I, I don't know, but it doesn't matter what the reason is. The, the bottom line is he has adapted. He has gone on record over and over and over saying, we are telling these guys to shoot. Please shoot, please shoot, please shoot. So but in the question of who's better between Rick Barnes and Bruce Pearl, they're different coaches. They're, they, fundamentally, they approach the game differently. Uh, they have meant different things to Tennessee, but at the same time, two things can be true. At the same time, they, they've meant the same thing. They've elevated Tennessee basketball. So I'm not sure. I'm not sitting on the fence. I'm just saying I think both have done great things. Bruce, if you want to say this, since there were so many years after Ray Mears uh, you know, left UT, retired, whatever, in 77, Bruce Pearl set the table, set the bar. It, it dipped a little bit. Rick Barnes has taken that to, to, I think, at least the same level as Bruce. And now we just need to see a, a deeper run. That's really the only thing that's left. Am I biased because I like Rick Barnes? Yes. But I also get tired of Val fans and, quite frankly, some members of the national media ripping on Barnes because he hasn't won a national title. Well, forget mm. that. No, he hasn't, he hasn't gotten to the Final Four. There are 360 or so teams in Division I. Somebody tell me how many of those coaches are better than Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes is better than the vast majority of those coaches, and he doesn't get credit for that. Christopher Gabriel, KMJ Fresno, with us this afternoon on the program. CG, Tennessee with these four games, a brutal stretch down the the stretch of the schedule here. I, I can't imagine if they are somehow able to win all four of these games. And maybe even if they win, go 3-1 and, one and, and, and they win the three right ones and don't fall on their face in the SEC tournament, they have a great shot at the program's first-ever number one seed in an NCAA tournament. I'm just wondering from, from your perspective, because they're also playing for the conference championship down the stretch here, 
what is a bigger deal to you personally, just as a fan, making that number one seed or winning? You don't get a you know there's no banner I don't think for a for a number one seed. You get to hang a banner for a conference championship or at least put the the year up there on your championship banner. Um, what's more important to you, the SEC title or a number one seed? Well, that's a great question, and I, I really think that I would answer this question the same every single time, and that is give me the number one seed uh, as opposed to the conference championship. I want my team, I want the Vols playing exceptionally well, and they have done that through this month. You mentioned these last four games. They're brutal. I, I have concerns about Saturday in Tuscaloosa. That just feels like an ambush waiting to happen. I heard college game days there. I'm concerned about that game. I think we win in South Carolina, and I think we beat Kentucky in Thompson Bowling. But in terms of, you know, those two, that the choices that you're giving me, uh, when you look at the last 38 national champions, 24 of them were number one seeds. And I, I'm sure a, a bunch of those were conference champions as well. But what concerns me sometimes uh, about a conference tournament is that a team gives everything they've got. You love that. You want to see that. You want to see every ounce of energy and effort out there. But we've also seen teams that have ultimately peaked. Uh, not that they've dropped way off going into the NCAA tournament a week later or four days later, but they've worked so hard to get that banner that you mentioned, to hang that banner. In this case, it would be the, you know, the banner going up in Thompson Bowling, in Food City Center. Uh, but I want the number one seed. It, it, it doesn't guarantee an easy road because, listen, in that, I mean, we've seen a couple of number one seeds go down. I, I don't think if Tennessee was the number one seed this year, I don't see that happening because of a Dalton Connect on this team. But um, more often than not, you do have just a slightly easier road unless, you, unless you're in the bracket that has a lot of, a lot of upsets. Then it gets a little bit different. And Tennessee, if the Vols find a way to get a number one seed, my guess is that they're going to be the fourth number one seed, so they're going to have the, har the harder bracket of the four. But, um, you know, be that as it may, between those two, Russ, I'm going with the number one seed. Me too. Uh, it, it is critically important to have the easiest path possible because this ties into the previous topic, CG, you know, you can make a good case for Bruce Pearl versus Rick Barnes and, and vice versa mm -hmm. right now. But I feel like the longer Barnes stays here and stays on top of his game, the more it trends in his direction. And really all he has to do at this point is if he makes it to an Elite Eight, he has done everything and more that Bruce Pearl ever did here. And if he goes one step further, I think that settles it once and for all. And only the most irrational of Barnes bashers would – continue to claim at that point that Bruce Pearl was the better coach. Yeah, I agree with you, Russ. And I mean, I, I think whatever this topic comes up, and I, I've been on a few podcasts that, uh, that it's come up, I, I immediately think of two players in the National Football League Hall of Fame guys, John Elway and Dan Marino. Marino, I mean, never won a championship. I don't even know if Marino got to a Super Bowl, but it was pretty well agreed upon that long before any of that happened as he was working his way through the through the years uh, with the Dolphins, he was a great quarterback. John Elway, I don't know if it was El – Elway was always – you know, I remember seeing him in college when he was at Stanford, uh, but I, 
until his final two years where he wins the Super Bowl, up to that, of course, you had the drive. You had a lot of critics of John Elway saying, well, he's going to need to win a Super Bowl before we really anoint him as a great player. And I, I, I don't know the, the football analysts that I know who covered him. None of them said that. They said, look, he may not ever get to a Super Bowl. He may not win a Super Bowl, but the guy's a great quarterback. Rick Barnes is a great coach. Um, he has, have there been times that I've watched us play in the NCAA tournament and, and wanted to just run my head through a wall? Yes. Uh, a lot of that is because the players would go in. I mean, Russ, how many times over the years on the program, on your fine program, have you and I talked about, have Bear and I talked about, five, six, seven, eight-minute stretches of no offense at all? I mean, I know it's an old axiom, but Rick Barnes can't make the shot. And yet Rick Barnes would, would get the you know would get the blame for that. Some of those times I think the blame was warranted because some of those times you would be begging, begging for a timeout. Stop the flow, stop the madness, call a timeout, and and he wouldn't do that. So those were the times that I found frustrating, or the times that a guy at the offensive end, I don't care if it was Vescovy, if it was Triple J, whomever, going back to Grant, going uh, you know, going back to Admiral, whoever it was making a mistake and getting yanked. Those are the times that I got frustrated. But you know what? Find me a college basketball fan. Find me somebody who covers a team that hasn't thought the same thing about their coach. I am quite sure that fans of Roy Williams when he was at Kansas, when he was at North Carolina, John Calipari, depending upon where he's been, Bill Self, they have all had the same gripes. Commonality here, the common thread is we all have the same frustrations with our teams and when you – talking about offensive uh, droughts, when you look around, they do keep stats on this. Every team goes through droughts. But we tend to not think about the other teams because we're yeah. focused so much on our own, right? I mean, that's what we're looking at. It's really interesting you say that. I was watching Kentucky and Mississippi State last night, and I, I was watching the game, and there was a possession where um, – Mississippi State hit a late three in the shot clock. And I'm watching it. I'm going, man, I, I love the way – I really like the way Mississippi State's playing right now. I mm -hmm. thought they should have won that game. And they're moving the ball around. They're zipping it around. And then they hit a great three right at the end of the shot clock. And I'm thinking, wow, man, Mississippi State's really – like, they look good tonight. And I go on Twitter and I see a Kentucky fan say, see – we have 25 great uh, seconds of great defense, and then we give up an open look. And I was thinking just ex exactly what you were saying there. It's just a matter of perspective, right? When you're watching from the perspective of your team, you're not thinking about the other team. And, and what's true, it's, it's probably a little bit of both, but uh, it's, that's interesting that you bring that up because well, well, the, the streaks that you're talking about where we go, those are – noticeably fewer and further between this year mm. than they have been. Yeah, and you know, I mean, that's a, it's a great point you're making. If I may, I'll give you another one. Last night I was watching out here Mountain West basketball. It might as well be the Pac-12 after dark because it's just crazy. Last night in Fort Collins, uh, it looked for all the money in the world like uh, Colorado State had, was going to take this game to overtime, and Jared Lucas of, uh, Jared Lucas of Nevada comes up court and he's a great shooter, and nobody on Colorado State got a hand in his face. They gave him a clean look. Yes, it was from half court, and he drained it, and they won. And Nico Medved took a lot of heat uh, afterwards about that. No different than Justin Hudson, Fresno State coach, 
he took an enormous amount of heat last night because they uh, they lost the game uh, against Utah State. They had a chance to, to salvage a, you know what's been a miserable season, beating the number two, 22 ranked team in the country. But again, it was a bad coaching move, and you have everybody all over him. Point being, like you just said, Fans are going to find everything. and I mean, I've been that way. You've been that way. Houston's been that way. Bears been that way. We will find something that frustrates us in a given moment. But once we have a moment to exhale, breathe a little bit, let a little bit of time pass after a rough loss, we'll remember, you know what? Thank, thank goodness we have a guy like Rick Barnes coaching us where, you know, he is someone who's won 800 games. He's doing quite a few things right. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Let's chill a little bit and see what happens when we get to this March. Good stuff as always, CG. Go follow him on X at CG Program. Christopher Gabriel, KMJ Fresno. Always a pleasure, my friend. Always a pleasure. Love you guys. Great to talk with you. Love you too, brother. Christopher Gabriel, one more time on the show. We got to take our final timeout of the afternoon. No overtime tonight. All those guys are sick, evidently. Y'all are welcome. Why are you looking at me? I don't know. Patient zero over there. You've been sick? I haven't been sick. Yeah, I have not. Um, the shocking conclusion of the drive coming up next. Speak now forever. Hold your peace. 865-546-8200. Back to wrap things up after this. The, the drive. drive. Wrapping up on a Wednesday. A little over an hour away from tip-off at Tomp's Bowling Arena. Get home. Get dinner. What are you going to get? I don't know. I'm, the pre-game meal is important. made a seat at the house tonight. Eat a little light. Like, might be a sandwich night. Something quick. Easy, wild man. Sandwich chips. I've kind of been uh, – I mean, that is one thing. Yeah, when, once I got sick, like, I don't – if I'm hungry – if I'm sick but I'm still hungry, oh, I eat good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Christopher Gabriel, Cam J. Fresno. Bear, what did you learn? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Christopher Gabriel <laughs> was recruited by Ray Mears. So, he is older than me. Whoa. Not by a lot, but he is older than me. That was a very subtle drop-in he had there with that. He's mentioned it before. He's I, I, about I that. hadn't heard it. He was just kind of like, yeah, when he was recruited by Ray Mears. Because he's, he's a sneaky big guy. He is sneaky big. CG. Combo guard. Sneak, sneak down, guard in the paint if you have to. Kind of like a Triple J How tall is he? type character. He's, he's about he my, my height. Maybe like, He's about an inch short. He's right in between me and Russ. So, what, about 6'3"? Six, 6'2", six, six, somewhere in there. I'm claiming 6'4 today. Go for it. Shoes on. Yeah. yeah. You're you claiming your what? It'll go down. I'm claiming 6'4". Six, four. Four. Huh. Athlete. Athlete. Who? Him? He's not a varsity athlete. Never had the makings of it. Run circles around you, old man. <laughs> that I'm old, yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. Michael Jones, a.k.a. Virgil, from the World Wrestling Federation. Million Dollar Man's uh one of, one of the great managers slash sidekicks in, in wrestling history. Heck yeah. Right up there with. Paul Bearer, Bobby the Brain hanging in, Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South. Virgil was highly underrated in that regard. Played his role perfectly. Can you do the Paul Bearer, Houston? No. Maybe. 
I'd have to watch it a couple times. I do remember him. I don't really remember what he sounds like. Oh, have that real high pitched voice. And Virgil was super underrated. We lost a bunch of people today, man. What did the the Blue Oyster Colts say? Twenty million people every day, something like that. Yeah, twenty thousand people. I don't know. We lost Richard like Lewis. Has to be a lot. Yeah, comedian from Curb. R.I.P. Funny, funny guy. Song. Are you familiar with the singer songwriter Todd Snyder? I know the name. Apparently, he is big friends with he posted on x a picture of him and richard lewis said they talked on the phone every day a very odd pairing i had no idea todd snyder mm-hmm. no nah, i was thinking of todd uh you know i, I was thinking of a different todd <laughs> there are lots of them out there well no just one in particular mutual okay. friend of ours so. um tennessee auburn final thoughts I say we win by ten. I kind of have that feeling too. I, I'm, I'm going to regret this. I could also like Auburn's had a couple of stinkers this year where they get kind of, kind of blowed out by teams that aren't very good, and I think we're actually very good. So, especially with them missing Williams tonight, we think I'll, I'll take Tennessee by double digits, and this one might be. It might be fun. I don't think it'll be a And M fun uh, as far as the final score, but I think there could be some times. I mean, they're a tempo team. We're a tempo team this year. We do well against tempo teams. They do not. Is Bruce going to be doing this thing tonight where he's flailing his arms wildly and, like, yes. doing, like, the short steps where his knees don't bend? I want to see him pissed off. He'll be doing the Bruce routine for sure. So, uh, looking, forward, looking forward to all that. Just don't suck, man. Just don't have what CG was talking about. Don't have the don't know show. off night. Yeah, I mean, and I just I think Triple J and and Vesco V will be keys tonight. Yeah, I don't think you need you know twenty points from each of them, but if they could combine for twenty or so, I think, I think they show up. I, I think they hit some threes. I will say against Kentucky, they were lights out good. So maybe this is another one of those games that they kind of have circled and they know they got to step up. At least we can hope. A man can dream. Sure. I'd love to see Connect go off. He hadn't had a real go-off game. I'd like to see him get 30-something. He hadn't had a full go-off game, but he kind of went off at Mizzou for about the last oh, no. 10 minutes. Yeah. That was like, ugh. He had a five-minute stretch where you you thought, oh, here he goes again. He still finished with, what, 24, 25? Took over. I want that for 40 minutes. What's the record? 51. By T.W. the Wizard? Yep, the Wiz. Tony White. Quick timeout. We'll be back in about 21 hours here on Fan Run Radio. Don't forget, voluntary reaction tonight on X Spaces for Baron Houston. I am merely Russell Smith. We'll do it again tomorrow right here on Fan Run Radio.